you know, we're going to um, be blessed today. And uh, I, I've asked um, Shem to come and share. Shem has been a part of our church uh, really since he was a small uh, boy, really his, pretty much his whole, uh, whole life part of this uh, church. But a few weeks or months ago, I, I, I really felt, uh, who can we hear from? Who can we, uh, within our house, that... that uh, Lord, who do you want us? And it was a, like a middle middle of the night kind of thing where God just dropped something uh, in my spirit, dropped His name, and so uh, and so. This is it's been a couple of months just uh, talking and and, and uh, seeing God. What would you have Him speak and so on and so. I know you you'll be blessed to hear His story. We sung a song about God's faithfulness, and and, and He's just going to share a little of His. Uh, journey uh, of that. And so could we just stand one more time? And I just want to welcome, he's been here for ages, faithful in the house, beautiful heart for worship. He's pretty nervous, so give him, give it. You go for it. Amen. Thank you. You can, you can sit down. It's all good. Oh. So this is definitely uh, new for me. Uh, obviously, I'm up here a bit on stage, but I'm hiding behind a guitar and I'm screaming at you a bit, so this is a little bit different. I don't have a guitar, that's the point of the difference, but what I want to um, share today is really just some of my story, some of the stuff that I've had to walk through, both the good stuff and the bad stuff. Um, not to highlight me, but to highlight God's faithfulness and his provision, his blessing on my life, nothing that I deserve or that he's just given. And the reason that I want to do that is because maybe you're going through some hard times, maybe in the future, you'll go through some hard times, and my prayer is really that what I share today would be an encouragement, and would give you some hope in that in that time, um, and that it would remind you to trust Him, even when it gets to that point where you just you think you can't handle it. Trust Him; He is faithful, even when we're not faithful. So, I'm going to start with a um, a scripture. I'm going to get this ready before I start, because otherwise I'll be fumbling through it. So, Jeremiah 17, 7 to 8. All right, Jeremiah 17, 7 to 8. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. And I share that because it really sums up what I want to share this morning. Um, my experience um, of trusting in God and just seeing him continuously bless me when I don't deserve it. Um, I'm going to come back to that later, but let's jump into it. So I grew up in an amazing Christian family. My mum is right here. She's probably... Yeah. It's going to be... Um, you can start placing bets on who cries first, I think. So it's probably me. Um, but my parents weren't just Sunday Christians. They, they were devoted followers of Christ, and they showed me that all through my childhood. They would have people around in home groups and things discipling and sharing their lives with others. Um, they truly showed me what it means to love God and to love others. And it's something that I <laughs> inspire to do so as well. But, yep, they're amazing people. Um, the name of Jesus was always in our house. Um, it wasn't something that I was unfamiliar with growing up. We learned all the stories and, you know, and, and learned the goodness of God. Um, and we saw him um, with his favor in our family. Um, there's a photo of me only a couple of years ago. Um, being baptized. And I, I share this, I'm the one in the middle. Um, I share this out of, just honor of my mum and, and my parents of that, 
I was only about, I think, eight or nine um, at this point. And because of my upbringing, I just, I knew I wanted to follow Christ at that age. And I think I'd actually asked them to do it like a year earlier, but they was like, nope, no, you didn't. I, I guess they were thought, he probably doesn't understand what baptism actually is. But I was persistent and they gave in. Um, so on the left is my dad, Gary Phillips. And on the right is Paul Smith, which many of you will know as well. Um, so very special photo. Um, I was, yeah, I think nine-ish. Mum would know. Nine? She says yes. Mum says yes. Um, and so I was very blessed to have this amazing Christian upbringing. Um, I know that many of us don't have that, that thing in our lives, and we've had to find Christ later, so I understand this is a true blessing for me. Uh, when I was 13, uh, things changed a bit for us, though. It was my oldest cousin's 21st birthday, and he wanted to get all the family, the cousins and uncles and aunties, to go on a trip, um, or a kayak trip down the Manawatu Gorge, up near Palmerston North. And we thought, That's, that sounds really fun. Let's go do that. So we started up on the, uh, the eastern side and made our way, our way down. And me being a weak little 13-year-old was always lingering at the back, trying to keep up with everyone else. But uh, I think I got to the woods at the end and I was just exhausted. Um, so I didn't want to finish the route. I just kind of ran my kayak around and onto the rocks and things. And I knew something was wrong. I don't know what it was, but I knew something up ahead of me was wrong. So I jumped out. And I think I just collapsed on the ground because I was so exhausted. And I saw my mum coming in from the right. And I don't know how I knew. Maybe I saw it and I just can't remember. But I just remember crying out, Dad's dying. Because um, mum would say, what's, what's happening? What's happening? She didn't know what was going on. And I said, Dad's dying. I don't know why, how I knew that, but I did. Um, and talking with my brother a, a few weeks back, just him sharing his experience, he, uh, he was just ahead of my dad when it happened. He saw him roll and realized he wasn't rolling back. So my brother jumped out, he was 15 at the time, jumped out of the boat, uh, the kayak, and ran up the shore to help him. When he got there, there was already someone there trying to lift him out, but he had been, he'd flipped and gone underneath some trees, and his kayak had folded in half, basically, and he couldn't roll, he couldn't push himself out. Um, and so by the time that my brother and this, a few others tried to get him up, he was already gone. Um, and that shakes a 13-year-old boy, really, like, to have this great upbringing, and then suddenly, wham, your dad's gone. Um, that's, yeah, been a massive defining moment in my life. And maybe you've gone through that kind of stuff too and you understand that it's, it shakes you. And um, my brother was saying that when he, when he pulled Dad out, he just said, he thought in his head, that, wow, great, now my Dad's dead. That was the kind of feeling it was like, wow. Like, this is fantastic. You know, that, you know, that's the kind of feeling. And the first year for me after that was, was kind of a blur. Um, I remember parts of it, but I know Mum was just feeling the full brunt of the grief um, of... <laughs> of now being, you know, like raising two teenage boys on her own. Um, oh. Yeah, amazing, amazing woman. It wasn't until like a year later I was at a camp and there was, I don't know who was speaking and what they were speaking about, but at the end there was an invitation to come to the forward, uh, to the front and to, I think, probably receive the Holy Spirit or something like that um, as they do at youth camps. Uh, so I went up, and before I even got prayed for and someone spoke, I just went whack on the ground, <laughs> face forward. And I was there for about an hour, just crying, and finally grieving after a year or so. Um, and I, it's my kind of understanding and belief that I feel like God gave my brother and I a special grace for that first year. Because of all that mum was going through, that, you know, she was feeling everything. That we were this kind of weird space of almost numbness or, yeah, but I really believe it was a God thing that, we were able to not be so much of a burden as much as teenagers can be. But that, you know, we could 
get through it and then a year later really feel it. And in that moment as I was on the ground bawling my eyes out as about a 15 year old, um, I felt the words from God. I'd never heard his voice before then. It wasn't audible, it was just that you know, spirit to spirit kind of voice. And I felt him say, I will be your father. I will provide for you. And that stuck with me all these years on. Oh, I'm going to be a mess. I know it. <laughs> so I, I am your father. I will provide for you. Um, and that's, that's, yeah, carried me through my teenage years and in my 20s now and my late 30s, if you're wondering. Um, yeah. Yeah, really just changed our family completely. Um, as a teenager, I got really into music. Um, taught myself the bass guitar, then got onto electric and acoustic. And what I loved about music was writing songs. Um, as you know, I've played in the band for donkey's years and done a bunch of other bands around here and there. My mate Sam McDonald right here, played drums with me in a band. Matt up the back, of course. Um, a few others that have played. Jeremy's been in the band with me before. But what I loved about music was the ability to write songs. Um, I'm a self-proclaimed lyrics nerd. Uh, I love lyrics and just like how they form and how there's the flow and they kind of fit with the framework because I'm a maths nerd as well. Um, so I used to write a lot and I still do. Um, I want to share some words that I wrote. I would have been probably early to mid-twenties, I think, at the time. And it was me reflecting back on losing dad and all that kind of stuff. So there's some words that I wrote. In you I seek shelter. Your word will sustain me. Amidst the battle, comfort waits. Through every trial, pain, and affliction, as darkness surrounds me, still your word sustains me. Though his life, speaking of my dad, was snatched away, you raised me up and carried me through it all. Truly, you are a father to the fatherless. I offer into your hands every breath that I have to increase the you in me. I put to death all I am that you might live in me. So I was a bit of an emo kid, obviously. Yeah. yeah, I like my emotional music. Uh, when I was 22, I married my sweetheart over there. Now, there's probably a photo of us of our wedding day. You can see that over 15 years, that the, the hair has kind of migrated south <laughs> a little bit. I don't think it's going to go back. It's just, there's no hope of that, but um, yeah. Love of my life. Uh, we, we were very simple people, I guess. In a way. We, we weren't like that ambitious financially or anything. We weren't climbing corporate ladders or property ladders. We just kind of made enough money to get by and we were happy. Um, and we still have that attitude, I think, even today. Um, but because, I guess because we weren't saving, we weren't making more than we needed, we kind of went through those ups and downs. You know, a bill comes in for the dentist or something. We're like, how am I going to afford that? And then, you know, we kind of went through those moments a lot in our early years of marriage. Um, there was one in particular, where actually there was, I was going through like different jobs and things, and I was in this kind of place of like, I don't like what I'm doing. Um, I was starting to get frustrated that I was stuck in working at McDonald's and that kind of stuff, and jobs I didn't want to be doing. Um, because, you know, while it's, I learned a lot about character and building and things in that time, but it wasn't fulfilling. Um, and so I started praying to God very specifically I don't know why, I think I may have heard it in a message sometime, but be specific. Um, so I was praying, like, what well, I like a job in the print industry, because I was getting quite into print. Uh, Monday to Friday, maybe this much money each week or month, whatever. And I also asked just for a, a mix of, like, creativity and production. 
because I'm a nerd, a maths nerd, and I like making stuff. So it's something in there where I can get my hands on, do things, uh, but also be creative. So I had that, you know, going on, praying for that. And then maybe a few weeks or a few months later, uh, we went through one of these moments again where we were like, there's no money. How are we going to buy food this week? Um, we were still, you know, young, probably like 24, 25, step second here, just know. Um, and I, I was just getting frustrated. You know, I wasn't seeing my prayers being answered. I was still stuck at the job I didn't like. Didn't know how to feed, you know, our, our family, just us two at the time. But I was feeling that frustration of like, well, I should be able to provide for Steph. And I should be provide for me. And like, we should be fine. Like, why, why is this such a struggle? And foolishly, I took that frustration of myself and put it to God, um, which is never a smart move to, um, to, you know, take it out on God. But there was a moment where I went on a Sunday afternoon Drove out and just found a quiet place to myself and just let rip. Um, not that way. The other. The, <laughs> no, I just poured out exactly what I was feeling. And I was, I was yelling, I was screaming, I was angry and frustrated. And I remember yelling out, God, you said you would be my father. You said you would provide for me. Just yelling out those things that I felt he promised um, and I wasn't seeing. Um, and I've got to tell you, it's not smart to get frustrated with God like that. Um, but it is good to be honest and to come to him. He's our father. He wants to hear how we're feeling. Yeah. I think so often in life when we pray, we, we go, oh, God knows everything. So I'll skip that part and go, God, this is what I want you to change. But God wants to hear what we want, what's going on in our hearts. You know, He knows the answers. <laughs> he doesn't need our cool suggestions. He wants to hear our hearts. You know, We have a saying in, in board game design, which I make board games, um, where it says uh, when we're testing our games, we say, listen for... Um, or look for, what do we say, what do we say? Look for, like, their feelings, their experience, what's going on, um, not their answers, not, not their suggestions. Look for problems, not suggestions, that's it. Look for problems, not suggestions. And I think the same is true for us when we pray. Come to God with our problems, not our suggestions. Um, that's a quick freebie for you there. Um, so, yeah, I was also, at that time, um, and early in our marriage, I was getting into board game design, which I just talked about. And it was a hobby for me, uh, something I loved doing, just making games, making stuff. And for, so for five or six years, I think it would have been, um, I was just doing it as a hobby, just for fun. I wasn't making any money, but it was something fun on the side. Um, and then this website called Kickstarter came to New Zealand, which is a crowdfunding website, which if you don't know what that word means, it's basically like a pre-order system. So I go, I want to make this game, but I need this much money. And they can go, oh, cool, I'll give you $40 for that game. And then when I get the money I need, I can then send them the game. So that's what crowdfunding is. Um, so I put my game up on Kickstarter. Um, I thought, I just want $8,000, that'd be great. And I'll make 500 copies, and I'll sell 200, and then I have 300 stuck in my garage for 20 or 15 something years, and they'll never sell. That was my, that was my hope. Like, you know, no ambition, just like, oh, I want to make cool stuff. Um, but the, the campaign went really well. I was really surprised. I raised about 67000 and it gets better, trust me. Um, I made this game, and I was like, wow, the, the people want to buy my stuff. This is cool, because I'd just been selling to friends, and a few, a few random people across the world would buy my games. But um, A year later, I did another Kickstarter, which doubled that, that Kickstarter. There should be a photo up of that game. Um, this is uh, not that one, the other one. The one of the, there you go, that's the one. Um, so this is Raiders of the North Sea. This was um, yeah, my second game on Kickstarter. 
I think it did about 156,000. Um, crazy stuff. And then a year later, I did another game which doubled again. So I'd done this Viking trilogy of games. Real good Christian theme, I know. <laughs> but I like medieval and ancient themes, so, and I'm a nerd, and it's, yeah. God blessed it anyway, apparently. Um, but I, I'd been to that October, which would have been, I think, 2017 or 16, maybe. I went to Germany on my own money. Um, I skipped over that story entirely, didn't I? I did. I skipped over an entire story. This has no relevance now. I did. Yeah, that's right. So I was in my car. <laughs> I'll take a drink. Thanks, Wes. So what happened was um, after all that stuff happened and I was frustrated and angry, rah, 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 um, I just saw in the, the weeks to come, I saw God provide like crazily. Um, it helps to have a good happy ending to a story. Yeah. <laughs> um, we had some people drop off food for us that week, just out of the blue. Just here's some groceries. We're like, wow, amazing. Then a, a man from Romedy sent us an email, sent me an email. Um, he cut out an article from the paper about four months before all this happened. Going, he saw an article with my brother and I trying to launch a T-shirt label. And we ran a little thing out in the foyer here and made the paper. So he cut it out um, and thought, oh, I should get in contact with these guys at some point. So I get this email going, hi, I cut out your thing in the paper and I'd like to chat. I've got this idea for a, a business and I'd just like to talk to you guys. And in my head, I'm thinking, random guy in round Maddie with a garage and some like carousels printing T-shirts, nothing fancy. But what have we got to lose? You know, I work at McDonald's, so let's do it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll skip real quick. Long story short, uh, he took us to Germany, Christian family. We checked out this machine and then came back and then over a few weeks we set up this company and then for six years I worked as the operations and factory manager there. Even Matt at the back worked for me for like five years or so, five or six years, worked there as well. Um, but it was just like, in, the, in those weeks when that all happened, I didn't hear God say it, but I, f I felt like myself imagining him going, did you really think that I would not provide for you? Yeah. Like, I'm your father, of course I provide. And it was, for me, there was a massive lesson on trust. But then I was like, thinking like, oh, you haven't done this, you haven't done that, getting frustrated, and he's going, if you trust me, I would. But I didn't trust him, I was trying to do things on my own strength. And... So this time I went to Germany on my own money. That's the... We're back, we're back. All right. So I, I flew to Germany, there's a massive trade fair over there in Essen, there's about 180,000 people go there. Massive, across like seven halls, massive trade, trade show. Um, and I was there at my publishing partner's booths. There's like French and German stuff that I, I partner with. So I was there demoing that game we saw before um, to like kind of get more momentum, more advertising, that kind of stuff, just to get more fans going for it. Um, and I left there really inspired because there were these teams of people, like four or five people that were doing this full time and they're making my games full time. I was like, if I'm just one guy, surely I can do this full time. I had these thoughts going through. That was in the October that I was there. And then by December of the same year, I was thinking, like, I should do this. I should really go full-time. You know, we talk about taking a leap of faith. And it's like, I need to do this. And it was the worst time possible. It was. Um, we had two kids at that point, two girls. Uh, we were wanting to build a house. <laughs> we didn't have any money, but we wanted to build a house. Um, it was just bad timing. Um, but something in me knew that, like, I had to do this. You know, if you're going to, you know, if they say, you put your money where your mouth is, kind of thing. 
Like, I need to take a step of faith and, and trust God in this because he's been so faithful in everything else. Why wouldn't, he, why wouldn't he be faithful now? And we sung about that, which I love that song. So in that the, the January, a month later after I really decided to make the decision, I went full-time, and I quickly got some work at a workshop, just helping them with their games, which is a great bit of cash at the start. And then about April, um, I woke up to a bunch of messages congratulating me on, my, on a game. And it was the game we saw before, Raiders of the North Sea. It had just been nominated for a Kinnespiel Diaries, which is a lot of German words that mean um, the, basically the gamer's game of the year or the connoisseur's game of the year. Um, it's basically the equivalent of an Oscar nomination. Um, yeah, not to say it lightly, it, it, it is a huge deal. Um, so I'd seen God just take this little, little like, hobby of mine, this little thing, and grow into this massive, like, successful business. And it's still growing today. Um, and, yeah, it's just God has clearly chosen to bless it. I don't know why. It's not because I'm an amazing business person, because I'm not an amazing business person. I can work hard, you know, and I like doing stuff. But he has chosen to bless it. It's not because of me. Um, and I'm just going to try and be faithful with it. Um, there should be another photo that we saw a snapshot of before. Um, of a whole lot of box covers. So this is about eight to ten years. Some of these games actually are coming out soon or next year or so. But this is the idea of the kind of stuff that we produce. Um, lots and lots of games. We've made, I guess, 30-ish odd products over the, the years I've been doing it. So God has just taken this fun, nerdy thing of making games and he's blessed it and he's made a massive success. We now have three employees, including myself and my mate Sam over here, my brother Sam as well. Two Sams does get confusing, but, you know, <laughs> we live with it. Uh, um, but, yeah. There's a website called boardgamegeek.com. There's about 130,000 games on there. 130,000. It's a big database of every board game ever known kind of thing. We have three games in the top 100. Wow. Yeah. I know. And I'm not, I'm not saying that to brag. I just want to say, like, it's the significant that how God has blessed us. You know, it's... We just make, like we and Sam say, we just make stuff we want to make. Like, it's fun. We, we're not trying to, like make the best game possible. Yeah, we are. We're not trying to like, <laughs> like money and this kind of stuff is not our focus. You know? God's given us a gift and we want to be faithful with it. And he could bless it, he could not, but yeah. I'm so grateful that he has. Yeah. Cool. All right. We're almost there. There's, um, yeah, so that's kind of like the story up until now, I guess. You know, that's kind of where we were now. And, but there's, it's not all been roses the whole way. Um, about four years ago, we went through probably the hardest time um, as a married couple. Um, yeah, four years ago, almost to the day, probably in Novemberish, I think, four years ago. And it's what I, I refer to as like the month from hell. It just Everything just went bad. Um, it started out with me kind of going over my accounts. When we do crowdfunding, there's like this long project cycle of like nine months or so where um, you'll get the money here, and then it's like over nine months you slowly spend that money that you made to make games you know, with shipping and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I was looking over the numbers of what I needed for the next three or four months, and I realized I was about $80,000 short, which was like, <laughs> like this feeling of just absolute dread and like, oh my goodness, what have I done? And how am I going to like survive this? Those feelings... Um, yeah, it's hard to, to describe, but if you've ever been there, you know, you'll know that feeling. It's not good. Um, but yeah, it's, I was just like, 
thinking like, do I sell the car? Like, we don't need a car. We could just walk everywhere for four months. That's fine. And I was just trying to think like, what, what else can I do? How can I make money? How can I do this? And I stayed up all night just lying there in bed going, God, what can I do? What can I do? And just asking him to provide and knowing that he has provided again. This is that whole thing of faith of just going, I know you've provided. I know you can do it again. Um, but for two weeks, I was just a mess. Like, in my head, just like, what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? Trying to figure out things and do my best. Um, two weeks later, we found out that we were pregnant, which was like, oh, awesome. That's exciting. And with our third child, um, even though I was still very stressed and worried and going, to have another mouth to feed and all that kind of, those thoughts start entering your brain. The next day, we got the, the devastating news that Steph's brother had died. He was only 41, similar age to my dad when he died. He had two kids. So all these emotions came back and Steph's family just feeling the, oh, just feeling the weight of it and just the shock, like he's gone. Just heart attack, boom, gone. And so I had all this financial stuff going on and then with him passing, and Steph decided to go up to Tauranga where the, the funeral was. She'd go with her family and I'd stay home and look after the girls and take them to kindy and school and stuff and try and figure out how I was going to make that much money. Um, nothing criminal, if you're wondering. Um, <laughs> but when Steph was up at the funeral, she started feeling abdomen pain. And, you know, she's tough. She, can, she doesn't always show up <laughs> if she's in pain. But the next day it got worse. And some of her family that she's staying with said, let's take you to get checked out. And the doctors knew that something was wrong. Um, God, stop looking at Steph. I get emotional. Um, they knew something was wrong. And... As, you know, I was stuck, it was like the Monday morning, I think I was stuck at home. The girls had just dropped off at school in Kindy, and I was like worried. I'm like, Steph's up there, I can't help, be with her, I can't help her. I don't know what's going on. I think maybe we've lost the baby, I just don't know. And I was getting all these mixed messages from different family members that didn't have the full information. So I got one text saying, you've lost the baby. I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> like just the, the feelings of just like, oh my goodness. And knowing that Steph's up there and I'm not with her and I can't comfort her. And then I get another text going, oh no, you haven't lost the baby. Um, and I was like, what the heck is going on? I, was, I got to the point where I was in the bathroom on the ground, crying out to God, screaming, and just feeling that weight of that, that grief of like feeling like so out of control. I don't know, I can't do anything. Steph's so far away and I wish I was with her and I can't be with her and I've got to watch the girls and I've got to try and make money. And all these things were just compounding and compounding over a space of about three or four weeks. And I just, you know, I, I had thoughts just like, will Steph make it? <laughs> These are the kind of things that were going on in my head. Like, I don't know what's the technical stuff going on and uh, what's going to happen. And in that moment, I just, I knew I had to praise God. I'm not saying that lightly either. Because, um, you know, we know that saying, a sacrifice of praise. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all throughout the Bible. But there's a song I've always clung to as a young teenager and growing up where it says, this time, praise is truly a sacrifice. And that's what it was for me. At that time, it was a sacrifice. And so as I was on the ground and just crying out and asking God to come through, I was also had to start thanking him for everything he's given me, every blessing he's given me. That I was in a home that he provided. We have two beautiful daughters. And just thanking him. 
And as I was processing all that over the next couple of days, Steph was still up in Tauranga for a few more days. I wrote these words. Lately I've been feeling like a ship upon a rocky shore. But should these winds bring fiercer storms, my heart will praise you all the more. And that's the attitude I just had to have. That's the way I was raised. Going like losing my dad and all that stuff and just knowing that he is so faithful. I've known that if it's that tough, you've got to you've got to look up. You've got to praise him and thank him. We managed to make it through financially by some miraculous thing. I don't know how he did it, but we managed to get the money. Insanely. Just little bits here and there, things came through and all that. But ultimately, Steph came home uh, and we did lose the baby. Um, so we are able to finally be together and grieve and, and process all that. About 10 years prior to all that going on, um, I wrote these words. And what I love about looking back at some of these lyrics that I've written over the years is they're kind of like a little time capsule of like what I was going through at the time. And this starts out a little bit dark, just being honest, but it does get really good at the end, so stick with me. Life has a way of turning joy into misery. Right before your eyes, everything you love has been torn apart, left here by the roadside for scavengers. Will you doubt his compassion? He will come with a vengeance, with a divine retribution. He will rescue you. He will strengthen your heart. In the face of defeat, worn from the fight, hold fast to hope. For there is one who has conquered the grave and been given the name above all names. He is a voice for the voiceless, fighting for the hopeless, a comfort to the weary, the broken and defeated. Knowing that Christ suffered, is what gets me through. There's also like well-meaning things that people say, oh, it'll be a blessing in disguise and all that stuff, but it's knowing that Christ came. He was beaten, rejected. He was whipped so badly that the skin came off his back. He was hung on a cross and abandoned by his closest friends. He understands suffering. That's the one thing that keeps me going, that we have a God that understands. Whew. A few months later, we, uh, we got pregnant again. And as it happens, nine months later, we made a baby. Um, we had a baby. Um, and we wanted to give him a name that actually meant something for our family um, and for the future. So we called him Asher Toby, which together means happy, blessed, God is good. And for us, it was like a, just to hold on to that promise of God's goodness. Um, there should be a photo of our three little angels. So Asher in the middle is about four months, I think. I think it was our first Easter together. Um, and my girls are up here this morning singing and dancing, so absolutely blessed. I just want to finish up by going back to that scripture I read out. Jeremiah 17, 7 to 8. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. So I really want to close just by saying this. Put your trust in the Lord. He is a good father. He will not fail you. He loves you. He sees you in your worst moments. There is no place too dark where he cannot reach you. Nowhere his mighty arm cannot reach. He has seen you at your worst and still chose to die upon a cross to redeem you. Trust him and give your life to him.
His father was such an amazing, amazing man. It was one of the biggest funerals I've ever been to. He's the principal of Tihoro School, and the whole school was there, and I remember that. It's, it was a, one of the first funerals as a pastor just back from India having to be a part of. And so growing up again, I look at so many young uh, people who have grown up, been young in the church and grown up, still here, got married, dedicating babies and stuff. I want to I wanna tell I don't know how people can do life without God. I don't know. How, if you're here today, I don't know how we can do life without God. We need Jesus. You might go, well, I don't know if God would ever love a person like me. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. The gospel is not about how bad you are. It's about how good he is. We don't deserve anything. We deserve nothing. But God's grace and his mercy is sufficient. And he is faithful even in the darkest of times, even in the most difficult of times, even in the, the, the struggles and the battles. How do I know that? Because I've seen it in the lives of Shem. I've seen it in the lives of other people who've had to walk through hell. And even through the valley of the shadow of death, we fear no evil for his rod and his staff who will comfort us and he will lead us through into green pastures. God never promises us an easy life. He says that he will be with us in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the battle. And he can speak to the wind and he can speak to the waves and he can speak to the difficult times in our lives. But I would encourage you, give your life to Jesus. You can cry, you can shout, you can get mad and you can say, God, why is this happening to me? But just understand, He's with us and he hears the cry of our heart. Give your life to him. There is nothing else out there. Man is destined to die once and then face judgment. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. This life is like grass. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. None of us know. Just like Steph's brother, you don't know the day of your end. Just like Shem's dad, you don't know the day of your end. Get right with God. Stop mucking around. For your day will come. All of us will be the guest of honor at services where our casket lays before the people. The statistics are 100%. Get right with God. Don't waste your life. He will fulfill and meet the needs and desires of your heart as you seek to serve him and glorify him forever. Would you stand? And let me pray this blessing over you one more time for Shem. Thank you so much for your raw, open honesty. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.